Hello and welcome. I'm Sam Delaney and this is The Reset, a mental health podcast without all the bollocks. My guest this week is the writer and broadcaster Matt Morgan. I first became a fan of Matt's in the noughties when he co-hosted various radio shows and podcasts with Russell Brand. Their podcast during that era was brilliantly funny, relentlessly imaginative and, to be honest, had a big influence on me trying my hand at podding a few years later. Since then, he's continued to be a prolific and sought-after writer for TV comedy and is a regular on Radio X, often accompanied by his mate Noel Gallagher. He also has his own very popular podcast over on Patreon, which you should definitely check out. I got to know Matt when we worked on a TV show together a few years back, and we got on well. When I read recently he'd been diagnosed with ADHD, I was interested to find out more. He's a constantly creative person, and I wondered if he felt ADHD might have helped fuel that part of his brain. Anyway, I was chuffed he agreed to come on the reset and talk to me, and we had a pretty long and I think very interesting chat. In fact, I've turned this interview into a two-parter, so keep an eye out for part two, which will be coming to you over the next few days. In the meantime, enjoy part one. Matt Morgan, welcome to the reset. Hello, thanks for having me. Uh, good to good to catch up with you. I mean, there's there's a you know there's a lot to discuss with you. I suppose you know most recently you've been quite open about um, your diagnosis of ADHD. How did that come about? I mean, well, I'll, I'll talk about the diagnosis first and then the root of it. But um, the what made me? I mean, I've always thought I've always sort of thought I'm just a little like you know sort of not in an arrogant way, but it's like, I'm a bit, my brain's working a bit faster and I'm a bit cleverer than some people. Right. And so you sort of, and I just thought, you know, um, Oh, that's why I get bored of things. And that's why I don't finish things and stuff because my brain had repackaged it to me as a, some sort of uh, positive, some sort of skill as a younger man. Right. And then doing the job I do comedy writing and stuff like that. It's, it's, and doing radio and stuff like that, it's all fun and games until you settle down, you've got kids, you've got to provide, you've got, you know, I'm married, I've got two kids. Um, and then what seemed like a sort of DOS job, bit of a laugh, whatever, suddenly you go, shit, I'm, if I don't earn this much a month, then we are going under. And, mm. you know, we've got a baby and my wife can't go out to work. So it's all on me. So I think, that's when I realised, ah, this brain that I thought was a positive actually is a massive negative in many ways. So the way I would describe it was, and this is how I described it on a podcast, right, ages ago, like in my brain there's two people, there's a sort of boss character, an authority figure who's going, come on, we need to get this work done by the end of the day, otherwise we're in trouble sort of thing. And then the kid child that he's in charge of. So it's like a teacher and a student, the child he's in charge of is like bouncing off the walls and not doing it. And then, you know, but he's the only one who can do it. So you've got this constant battle going on. I have going shit. And no, I need to do this now as I, and so I described it like that. Oh, when I've got work to do. And I, I literally will sit down on the sofa and it feels like depression. And that's why I thought it was. And I'll just, it is like I can't move. Everything seems pointless. Not in a. It's not. Um, it's relatable to depression. I would. Re- I read it as depression, but I don't think it is. It's what it is. What they call it is that ADHD paralysis. It's like, oh, you just. And so in my brain, I'm going. 
the teacher guys going, what are you fucking doing? We've got to get this in by the end of the day. Why are you sitting down looking mm. at weird shit on eBay? Like, what mm. are you doing? Mm. And then, and so I'm aware of that, but I'm going, I'm still doing it. I've, I've done it for two hours now and I haven't. And then it's the adrenaline of the fear. Well, the only thing that ever got worked on was adrenaline and fear and the fear of failure or not being able to provide, you know. And so I've just gone on like that. I spoke about it on the podcast and a couple of people said, I've got ADHD. You sound like you might have ADHD. And at first I was like, that's just because in my head, like most people, you know, these sort of, um, you know, the way we understand things um, in terms of language, like schizophrenia used to mean split personalities. It's nothing to do with that, really. And ADHD to me means a kid whose leg won't stop shaking and keeps going, you know, ooh, look, a squirrel out the window sort of thing, the cliche that we're used to. So I was like, no, that's not it. And then I started reading on Reddit threads and and another thing was TikTok, which I, my wife kept sending me TikToks. And it's like, you know, after you watch one, it's like, trying to pull you in to join it yeah and so i was in that and then and then the algorithm i must have looked at something about adhd so between reddit and tiktok there was a lot of people going you know that stupid thing on tiktok where they point to some text it says how to know if you've got adhd Maybe, oh yeah, yeah i mean i shouldn't be on there at 44 anyway yeah, but I'm, I'm not on it I'm that too sort of thing of it. yeah no it's I and mean, it's bad for adhd as well because it's quick fix quick hits scrolling yeah. you know that sort of thing so you can get lost in it. But um, yeah, between Reddit threads. And so some of the stuff I read on Reddit was like, oh, you've got your, um, uh, what's it called? Your, your uh, basically your inner, your body clock is slightly off by three or four hours, right? So I would always be up till two in the morning. If I'm natural, unless I have to do something in the morning, you know, like I naturally will drift to like 2 a.m. bedtime, 10, 30, getting up. Mm. And that's been throughout my life. Um, and so people were saying, you know, like you just can't wake up in the morning and you're sort of tired all day and then you come alive in the evening. And I was like, oh, that's me. And there were so many things that you don't think are necessarily what you would, you know, your perceived notion of what ADHD is. Um, and also like quick to anger, I can get really like quickly from that, from zero to a hundred of anger. And it's, mm. it's normally there's like a dip in the afternoon. It's like you get overwhelmed quite quickly. So what I realized was, say I go to a party, I was going somewhere, right? I would, you you can get overwhelmed by the, that I'm thinking, I overthink, right? So I'm thinking, oh, I've got to go there. I can't remember that person's name. Can't remember, drop, things will drop out of my brain as well. Like a name of someone I know, it will just go when I'm talking to them. It's just really weird. And so all these things are part of ADHD. But the thing is, they're also, everyone's experienced that. Everyone's walked into a room and gone, uh, why did I come in here? You know, like all that stuff. So, so it, there was a, there was a period of time where I was like, nah, that's just, I'm just lazy or I'm just tired or I'm just stressed out or whatever. And then it just kept coming up. My wife was like, you definitely have something going on, you know, like you've got, there's something you should, you should get it tested. So anyway, I did the, I paid, I went pro because it's like going for the NHS is a ball ache because it's one of those wishy-washy things where they don't know if it comes under mental health or neurological, you know, so I was bounced around a bit. And then, so I did it privately. And then, I mean, I, you know, you think I'm paying this person 600 quid to see if I've got ADHD. You fill in a form yourself. 
a partner or family member fills in a form anonymously to you, like, you don't read it sort of thing mm. and some other stuff. And then you have an hour assessment. But I was just like, how many times do they actually say to someone, ah, you're all right, mate. It doesn't sound like it at all. And I'm sure it happens, mm. but it's weird, isn't it? You've paid for it. It should be like no win, no fee sort of thing. Yeah. But, but then, and so like, I sometimes think, no, I haven't got ADHD. This is bollocks, but I, I have. And it's, it's, um, all it is is really like in simple terms now as I understand it it's like you don't you don't have quite enough dopamine so you're constantly like so dopamine you know it's similar to serotonin but different but it's like you get positive feedback chemically from like achieving stuff or you know it kicks in in the morning it's what gets you out of bed it's mm. the thing that goes right well I might as well get up is dopamine right mm. so I don't have that. So I literally go like, I haven't got to be somewhere till 10. So I'll get up at nine 15, mm. you know, like really stupid. Like it's not like, no, I'll get up at eight, go for a run, do like normal people. So I've always looked at people and just thought, how do you do that? How are you yeah. happy? How are you doing this stuff? Um, and so, yeah, it's like you haven't got enough dopamine. So what you're looking for is a dopamine hit. And so, that will, that's why you procrastinate. So I'll sit down and think, shit, I've got to do this work. And also I think if my job was digging holes in a, in, you know, a garden or something, it's like, there's no puzzle to getting started. It's like pick up the shovel and start digging. Right. So you'd still have procrastination, but you'd probably just get on with it. But because I'm writing sitcoms and stuff, I'm like, oh, hang on, how do I do this? It's too hard a problem and it does my head in. And then I'll just go and lay on the couch and just be like, and get that paralysis. And so the dopamine that you're looking for, which would come from, no, I'm doing my work or, you know, like it just isn't there. So I would end up, um, like say there was a terrorist attack, right? Something went on, big thing, like one of those stabbings in London or whatever. Then I would, because that gave me a, in a weird way, some dopamine because it would be like, oh, oh, because it could be positive or negative, but it's a release of sort of like a bit like adrenaline, right? Yeah. Then I'd read all about it and I'd know I'm not going to get any work done for like two days now because I'm reading all about this and I read, you know, everything all, all online. And it's like at the beginning of coronavirus, I was you know, ahead of people in terms of I'd seen this weird thing happening in China and then I'd read all about it and I, you know, for better or worse, knew about it and was a bit obsessed with it way too early on in it, you know. And it's because it was giving me a boost of dopamine. It was like I felt excited and I felt, you know, mm. it's really hard to explain, but it's like you can get it from buying stuff online. Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I'll buy that. And I know that's coming. And I got a bit addicted to sort of, not in an actual addiction way, but like, there is My a work's link, boring, I'm stuck. ADHD and addiction. Yeah, there is. There is a link, yeah. Yeah, I had, I've had, constantly... I've had a, It's interesting saying, listen to what you're saying, I've had more than one close friend get in touch with me to say, I think you've got ADHD, right? But there's a lot of ADHD around right. at the moment. There's a lot being written about it, a lot of people therefore thinking about it. And because I've had addiction issues in the past, I got a really good old yeah. mate from school last week. She said, oh... I've got ADHD. I've just been diagnosed. She went, I reckon you've got it too. It's really linked to addiction, <laughs> which I wasn't fully aware of, but you explaining that 
sort of requirement yeah. for like little boosts and distractions. It makes a lot of sense that there's a little. Yeah. Well, we've never, you've never me, had issues with like, drink, have you, or anything like that? Well, I mean, like the thing is, I mean, I'm I'm on seven weeks of not drinking, but through lockdown, I was drinking. I've always drank, you know, mm. to like to an America, which my wife is. I'm an alcoholic, really, right. you know, because. Um, what I was saying about walking into a party or walking into any situation, right? There's because I'm hyper um, processing. So I'm processing what if this and who's that and what if that happens and all this stuff. It's a bit overwhelming, but I can hold it down, right? No one would know, but inside things are spinning like, you know, there's, it's like colors and shapes spinning around too much. I'm not, I'm not on the level. And so what I would think, what I'm thinking is, oh, it's a wedding, there'll be booze there. I can get like, you know, like two glasses of wine, two pints, that equivalent amount of alcohol is enough to just shut the colours and lights down enough to yeah. get on the level. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so manages it. Yeah. I think, yeah, just like takes the cool, takes the edges off stuff. So, and the other thing I think where it crosses over with alcoholism for me is I would before I got medicated, which is like essentially, I mean, it's there. What is it? Um, methylphenidate, which is Ritalin. I tried the other one, Adderall, and I like Ritalin more. It's just the same. It feels like cocaine, speed, and caffeine, but at a low level. It's like in that mm. ballpark of little pick me up, but it's, and it feels quite nice, you know. But before I was medicated, I'd use caffeine. So I drink coffee, which, and you know, the thing about caffeine is it's a really weak, it's a sort of bad economy in terms of, you know, like it is liquid stress, which is good at the beginning. And then your brain just opens up more receptors. And so you have to have more caffeine and it's not, you know, mm. but basically I was running on caffeine and then in the evening jitter, you know, like over caffeinated. And so I would bring myself down with like a bottle of wine. Yeah. And, and so I think, the lack of dopamine, you can't get you can't get things going, so you have caffeine, and then the then that kicks off your um, what do you call it uh, like anxiety, I suppose, later in the day. Yeah, and then once you're anxious, you want to drink some booze, and you know, and you just get caught in a thing. But like, I never had, I was never like, never been arrested. I'm not been fighting or doing anything. You know, like it never led me to do anything that bad. Yeah, but through lockdown, I was that, doing that. Is like self-medicating, though. What you're describing, I suppose, isn't it? Which is what, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Managing yeah. the idea, and like, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, so there's, yeah, it is, it is totally that. But I've just, I'm, I'm seven weeks in. I'm doing. I once did six months before, so I don't feel like I don't ever get. I don't think chemically addicted. I get socially addicted, or mm. or like like managing, yeah, something that's not right. Um, but it's never really caused me, that's the thing. I'm, if I was in the camp of people who've like, I've got mates, you know, are like, we'll be fighting a bouncer after four drinks. And it's mm. like, well, you, they gave up drinking at 19, you know. Mm. It never was that bad. But a lot of it was just health and vanity, just going, I'm getting fat and I'm doing a bottle of wine a night just because, and, you know. So it does, you know. And I always liked like speed and cocaine feeling. Like, I liked mm. uppers, but 
but I couldn't imagine being addicted just because I could do like one night and I never did a lot, but I'd, I'd do Coke or something. And then it would take me like a week to feel normal again or four days or something like that sometimes. So, but I do remember when, you know, taking speed as a teenager, I'd go into this sort of almost spiritual calmness. So I remember yeah. the feeling of just like, Oh, this feels normal to me. This feels good. Like, this is how you should feel. Imagine I felt like this. And all my mates were bouncing off the wall. So apparently that is an indicator as well, because it's sort of brought your dopamine level up to normal and you feel, and all the, the noise quietens down. Do you know what I mean? Which is what the medication does. So I think I do have ADHD, but I, I also think I reckon probably one in five P it's just, just, it's just a, a brain type, you know? Yeah. I mean, my, I went to my shrink that I see, for my other issues. And uh, I said to him, a couple of people said I've got ADHD. So I went on and I did a questionnaire online. I reckon I have. And do you know what he said? He went, yeah, probably. And I went, what? You can't just say it like that. And he went, yeah, well, he went, you know, he went, loads of people have got it. He went, you've probably got it. I mean, I'd have to say, well, he goes, well, what do you want? He goes, you're already on pills for anxiety and this, that, and the other. He went, I'll give you more pills. But what the interesting thing he said that is really relevant to you, and I'm sure people have said to you, is that he said, without it, you might not have done what you've done for a living. So I don't know. Do you, do you feel like in some ways it's, you know, it's been a gift in terms of, you know, what, what you've done for your, I mean, for your career? Yeah. When I, when, when the, in the assessment, because they ask a lot about school, and I was bright at school, but mm. I, so it wasn't like, anything got flagged up to a teacher or something of like, oh, he's behind or he's struggling or something. But I was always in trouble for what they would call being disruptive. But I was like, I remember lessons where I thought, ah, oh, I get this straight away. Sometimes I was wrong. So there's an arrogance to it as well. It's not like I was like, oh, I'm really smart. It's just like, oh, I know where they're going with this. And so then I think that I'm bored now and you feel bored inside, but you're on a table full of, you know, little kids your age and you go, just to clarify, <laughs> wasn't a, you know, they were my age. I was yeah. at school with them. But like, and then, and then, then the, I'm looking for some hit, right? So then I'll say something funny and I'll make them laugh. And I get a little boost from that. I've made them laugh. Ha ha ha. But it's undermining the teacher's lesson. So then they're like, you know, so I was always being made to stand in corridors and, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and I said that to him and he said, um, you know, that's sort of classic thing. You're, there's an energy, there's a motor running looking for fun or yeah. excitement or something interesting, right? So I could talk to someone for hours if it's interesting and I'm getting something from it. Mm. It's like with ADHD, people think you can't focus, but you can. You've got laser focus when it's fucking touching your soul and you're interested. Yeah. You know, like when you start reading a book and you're actively reading a book and turning pages and then suddenly you're in a story and you're just being pulled yeah. through it. It's that difference. So you have hyper-focus mm. or distracted, bad focus, you know. But then, and so at school, that is was it a bit binary? Like, so either something's interesting or it's not, and those are the only two things. You're not, yeah. you find it difficult to go with anything that's not quite delivering. Do you know what I mean? Anything yeah, I mean, like less, less yeah. than brilliantly exciting, you're a bit like, oh, fuck that. Yeah. 
I mean, even it even comes down to like, say, I'm pitching a TV show, like a sitcom idea or whatever. Mm. The conversation of it, and the, t- the you know talking to a commissioner or someone or producer or whatever, and I've got these interesting thoughts and ideas, and the shape of it's really good to me. And so I'm infused, and I'm telling them this thing, and they go, "Oh yeah, write it up," and I go away to write it up, and then because that is trying to fit this this nebulous idea into you know, basically uh, an agreed format system of how you explain your idea, the pitch, the characters, what happens in the pilot and all that. You go, oh, God, this is boring now. I hate it. It's painful. (laughs) How I describe it is like, it's not just, oh, I've got to do that thing. It's like spiritually painful, like you're Mm. forcing yourself the wrong way down i don't know it just feels wrong it feels like oh and you can't you know and so you get um an achievement boost because you've gone i did that and sent it you know but then because of the job it's like nothing's ever done so that's going to come back with notes and changes and things and so like it's painful because you think oh i've got to do that again so um it's you know i mean you may well you know you may well have adhd i think what happens is a lot of people, because what happened with me, right? I was doing, I t- like I said, I, I crossed that bridge from no responsibilities to responsibilities, two kids, um, marriage, you know, paying rent, paying car payment, all that stuff. And then work became not this fun thing. It became this grind. And basically being a writer until you sort of, get over that sort of watershed of now people are coming to me for work you know mm. i was hustling it was like it's hard you can't really pay the bills on it mm. so i was doing jobs i didn't want to do with teams of people i didn't want to you know like i was doing a sitcom and i was just working and i just thought this is not this has gone wrong this is bad right mm. i need to put the brakes on but i can't because i need the money i'm stuck in this thing and um one day i was at this uh, production company and I was working and I had noticed my anger was building up my neck was so tight I was like just not in a good place and um <clears throat> I was leaving to go for lunch I think I went for lunch and I sat down in this place and I, I was looking at the menu and then my hands just weren't my hands I was like which is called depersonalization or you know I, basically I was like became so it was just so weird my my consciousness separated away from who i was and i was looking at my hands and so i started to have a panic attack i now understand i didn't know what was going on at the time started to panic and i thought oh my blood sugar must be low because it's lunch and i haven't eaten so i ran out of this restaurant which was weird anyway because the bloke literally handed me a menu i stared at it and then ran away he was like hey and i went next door bought snickers and a can of coke and like oh yeah thought, right, i need to yeah. boost yeah boost my blood sugar and then and then that worked for a bit and then it suddenly came on again and i went back ended up they had to call an ambulance i went back to the tv um like uh, production company offices collapsed on the floor all i remember really i remember it clearly but um someone was taking my pulse on the phone to 999 and they were like they'd asked them to count it over the phone and all I could hear was them going, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too fast. And then there was an ambulance crew there. And then they put me in the ambulance and they put the, you know, they put the, like um, sensors on your feet and your hands to see. Because if you've had a heart 
um, attack or stroke or something, the signal won't be equal in each limb or something, as I understand it. Mm-hmm. So they were doing these tests. And this ambulance bloke was talking to me and he was going, um, now we're just gonna have we're just gonna have a nice little chat. We're just gonna I was thinking, I honestly thought, how the fuck has this bloke got a job as an ambulance driver? He's simple, like he's talking <laughs> so slow. I was I was worrying about him. And I was thinking, is this bloke all right? Like, it's so weird. And then I said to him, like, why are you talking so slow, mate? Because it was doing my head in. And he went, listen, your blood pressure, now don't worry about it, but the numbers are very, very high. And we need, you know, he was like, basically, I kept looking at him, seeing him, like, look up nervously at these numbers. So anyway, my blood pressure was, like, up there where you could have a stroke because it's so high. So he was talking me down. And I was thinking, this is ridiculous. I'm in an ambulance. I'm wasting their time. But then they took me to the hospital. So I was like, well, that is obviously when, something When was it, on. mate? When was it? Like, how old were you? This was, I reckon, so I'm 44 now. This was after my daughter was born. She's five. So probably five years ago. Right. No, hang on. Four years ago. Okay. Something like that. Um, went to the hospital, loads of scans. Absolutely fine. She gave me a beta blocker, you know, like a yeah. lowers your stress level or whatever, your lowers your heart rate and blood pressure. And she said, and the ambulance driver said this to me as well. He goes, It's it looks like stress. And I said, I'm not stressed, I'm not even stressed out. And he went, Yeah, but when I went through a divorce, he goes, I thought I was all right. And then six months later, I collapsed and I was in an ambulance. And I was like, All oh, right, okay. And then the the actual ER, like the, you know casualty nurse or doctor said um what's going on in your life are you straight you know and so then i was like what the fuck is all this about and then and then i was fine like the next day it was all right so i thought oh that's just this weird glitch mm. but then i had this like anxiety about it happening again like hang on what was that and so i think what happened was i was massively stressed out had a panic attack collapsed didn't know what it was and then after that once you've had a panic attack, you're scared of having another panic attack. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, what's interesting is that you don't, you don't know. I don't think anyone knows when they are stressed. If you know what I mean, like we associate stress with those moments yeah. where I don't know you're fucking stuck in traffic or or something, you know, or like you're you are on a work deadline or yeah, the kids are crying, and that's sort of like a sort of quite basic sort of idea of what stress is. But yeah. any time that I've had a fucking freak out or a collapse or an episode, I've never seen it coming because I don't think we, yeah. I don't think people are trained enough to sort of, or conscious enough of like how mad their fucking lives are because everyone's fucking yeah. life is like it. And so you've been conditioned to just expect the fact that, oh yeah, I mean, you know, I've, I've had these two kids and more responsibility and um, work's fucking busy or whatever. But that's just life, isn't it? So you don't acknowledge mm. it, and then that's when it just fucking hits you, and you and you don't understand why. Well, I got I after that, it took me honestly, I, mate. I went through it was hell, and I was like, there was part of my consciousness. It was just me going, "What is going on?" Like I couldn't leave the house for about two or three weeks. Then when I did leave the house, I nearly crashed the car because. I was just, the adrenaline was so hot. It was mental. Like my whole 
um, my chiropractor at the time was saying you're that you've got adrenal fatigue. You've got, you know, like you said, like your system is in fight or flight and it's misfiring mm. constantly. And a lot of what he was saying made sense. And my neck was really locked up. So he, and every time he released my neck, I felt better. So I started to think, Oh no, this is mechanical and nerves being pinched and all. So you, I was looking for every, uh, um, uh, it's because I drank all that coconut water that day and I was my had my um electrolytes were too high and all this stuff mm. because the the actual idea that no it's stress and it's it's you know it's mental it's like your your um you can you can this your consciousness is on different levels so you can be going I hate this job I fucking can't sleep because of the baby and I'm you know like I'm under all this pressure and like what we had both our kids were difficult births where, uh, you know, like blood and guts and fucking horror. And it's like, I think I had a bit PTSD from that. I'd never really dealt with that or talked to anyone about it. And the thing is, as a bloke, like I was in this writing room, like comedy writing room, and there's this woman and she was talking about whatever. And I said, yeah, no, I think I've got PTSD. And I was being honest. I was like, I think I've got a little bit of PTSD from witnessing, you know, my son's birth because he nearly died. They, it was a lot, it was like brutal. Right. Yeah. And she was like, oh, I love it when men say that they suffered through birth or, oh, you know, yeah. something like that. And she was really horrible about it. And I was like, no, no, no. It's like, I'm, you know, my wife was, my wife says like, she was off her head on drugs. She, they'd injected mm. her with everything. So she was, it was like a dream to her, but like, obviously she's going through physical state. That's like, doesn't compare, but, I am me and the, all I can say is my experience. And I witnessed, I literally witnessed the doctors panicking that he was going to die. I witnessed her pass out. I wished, you know, it's, it was, a, it was scary. Right. And it was as if, oh, uh, you're not allowed to have that feeling because women have it worse. And, you know, it was really horrible. And I found a lot of people, you know, like, yeah, they don't really, like, everyone says, oh yeah, male mental health, blah, blah, blah. But like, even my wife at the time, she was going through postnatal depression. Mm. And so, and then I was like too scared to leave the house. So it just was like, really now you're going to, you know? So, and like, she gets it now, but at the time it was just like, what the fuck? She, she had no bandwidth left to care about. There's so much guilt in that as well. I always say like, I don't think men are prepared enough for fatherhood like when father first arrived i mean notwithstanding obviously you went through something particularly traumatic during birth but the whole fucking opening early stages of having kids there's the overwhelming sense of responsibility and just the physical emotional like the lack of sleep and the fucking it's so sort of like on the one hand you want to kind of show that you're able to step up you don't want to be you don't want to look like i couldn't handle it and i think there's a lot of competitiveness in that sense amongst blokes about who's the best that you know that you can be a good dad yeah but also i think there's loads of um guilt i know so many blokes who's drinking and cocaine use and all the rest of it really inflates when they first have kids uh, uh, sometimes they come to me because i've sort of got sober and go oh god i don't know what's happening like i'll tell you what's fucking happening you're trying your best to be a good dad right and it's fucking hard yeah but it's also really exhausting i mean it's like un- almost unsustainable when you're also trying to work and drink and everything else. But the worst bit about it is you can't say anything because you know, however bad it is for you, it's worse for your missus. And so you can't say anything. So you internalize it all. 
which makes it so much worse. So I think what you're saying is really interesting because, I mean, I know I know you well enough to know that you, like me, are not one of these fucking twats who are campaigning for men's rights or, the, or getting involved in the cultural wars, right? That's not what this is about. <laughs> but I do think... I do think that men need to be able to a little bit more go, this is, yeah, we're not, by saying it's tough on us, it doesn't mean we don't acknowledge and understand it's even yeah, fucking yeah. tougher on the women. Do you know what I mean? It is tough. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, well, I'm a big believer in the fact that human beings evolved for thousands, hundreds of thousands of years in certain ways. And then in the last sort of hundred years, we've thrown it all out the window and tried to force ourselves. So we are, you know, we are, if you think of dogs, like my dog, right, will, it's weird. She's got a little glitch bit of coding in her, which is like, she'll do a shit and do that leg thing to flick something over it, even though nothing's coming out. Or she'll yeah. take her toy and bury it, but she's putting it on the carpet and digging on carpet. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's light, little bits of code are left inside her, which puppeteer her. She doesn't, you know, and I think human beings are no different. We've got, you know, and it's, it's un-PC, really, because you go, well, the way nature is, nature is un-PC. Nature is a brutal fight for resources to the fact that, you know, men, if you want to help out, you were going out, you were hunting, you were getting stuff and bringing it back, you were protecting people, you were building the shelter, you were doing active physical things. Mm. Nowadays, when a baby arrives, you can do financial things, you might build the cot, do you know what I mean? But it's not like me go, you know, like you, you that that energy. You say so your body, you know, because apparently your testosterone level drops because I don't know if this is true, but apparently just so that you're not aggressive around a baby, like baby crying all night. You know, if, if we'd have evolved and men just getting up and going fucking shut up and smashing, <laughs> but you know, like yeah. we wouldn't have lasted. So yeah, it dips. And you get a different, you could, you know, so there's a hormonal change or whatever. But I think, yeah, what am I saying? Like the way that, and partly it's it's social, like men are allowed to be aggressive at the football or they're allowed to, you know, go to the gym and do stuff. But then we, we're all, it's almost like we evolved a certain way and now that's not acceptable. But we've still got those me mechanisms in us and we've still got those things in us. Do you know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. So you could pour it into like crying at the football, but you can't cry at your parents' funeral, sort of that yeah. thing. Like men are a bit messed up, I think. But um, but yeah, there, there should be, I wish there was, everyone said, oh, you'll love it. Oh, you'll love it. And, and they kept saying, oh, the moment you hold your first baby, blah, blah, blah. And the moment I held my first baby, it was covered in this green meconium. Yeah. It could, they were just trying to grab him off me to get him breathing again. It was horrific. It was a nightmare. Do you know what I mean? So, like, I think the there should be, you know, and I, yeah, I don't know. We're not very good at asking for help, but like, I didn't know I needed help. I literally, yeah, and this is exactly. how stupid it was. I was in my head going through all that stuff. Like, so basically, he went, he couldn't breathe. He went purple overnight. Katie said, my wife sent me a photo of him. And he just looked all wrong. And it's called cyanosis. He wasn't getting enough oxygen, right? And she was all away with the fairies and stuff. And they kicked me out because the dad's not allowed to stay. She's like in and out of consciousness. And the baby's not got enough oxygen. So she was pressing the bell for the nurse. And the next, she's like, oh, there's no doctor on call. So it's like, 
And then in the morning, I walked in and saw them trying to get him breathing again in special care. And I wish I'd ever seen that. And then he went in an ambulance to one hospital. She was in another hospital. But all the way through it, I remember thinking, I'm coping so well with this. I'm doing mm. really well, you know. Mm. And I wasn't. I think my brain went, this is a survival situation. So we've got to hold it together. And then, you know, whatever months later, I think I got over that. And then we had another kid and everything seemed fine. And then... Katie's womb never fully shut down. So she bled and nearly died. And there was an ambulance. And it was like, uh, it's all monstrous again. And then a few months after that, I collapsed at work. So I think didn't deal with it, didn't talk to anyone. And I feel like there should be, I don't know what it is, but everyone just said, oh, you'll love it. It's amazing. And then when I went, oh, no, it was nightmare. There was blood everywhere. And, I, you know, like, it was like a fucking horror film. They go, oh, yeah, yeah, we had some of that. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. And it's like, I'd rather you said to me, it can be quite stressful and horrific looking, but they are professional or whatever. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather yeah. know the truth than the sort of. But also, so the, I feel the, like. The, the aftermath as well. I mean, just, you know, luckily. You know, y- y- your child turned out healthy in the end, but then you still got to deal with all this yeah. other shit. You got to deal with all this other shit, and again, oh yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not allowed. People say, "Ah, oh, it's, it's great, it's so great, it lends your life such focus." All of which is true, but I feel there's not enough people going. It you will be absolutely swallowed up by a new form of anxiety that you didn't know existed. Yeah. You will take, yeah. you, there will be several things, sources of joy you have to sacrifice, and there will be new sources of pain that come completely out of the blue. You know, the responsibility yeah. will suffocate you, all this shit, right? Just honest, yeah, yeah. just being honest about it. There's not enough honesty yeah. around that and lots of things in blokes' lives. And that's why I think people end up, like I say, like you, thinking, why the fuck is this happening? I've got no reason to be having a panic attack and in the back of an ambulance. Because most yeah. blokes, and it was the same with me with various episodes in my life, but not least the drink and drugs getting very badly out of control. You have to hit, not if not a rock bottom, then certainly a fucking pretty dramatic episode in order to go and yeah. seek help. And, and it's like, you're doing it because you think, fuck, I've got no other options here. I'm in real trouble. I've got to go and, I've yeah. got to go and talk to someone. I just sort of increasingly think as I get older, I wish someone had just come to me when I was in my teens and said, you know, like you go to the dental hygienist and get your gums checked out, right? Which, by the way, I didn't do that either, which is why I have to have fucking root canals all the time now, right? Same deal. No one said that yeah. to me when yeah. I was younger. Someone said, you got to just go and talk to someone like twice a month yeah. and then you're not going to get to 40 and go fucking mad or have something really bad happen. And then have to unpick all of this. Do you know what I mean? We just don't. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and women too, but yeah. I think that women are more open with each other. I mean, it's a sweeping generalization, but I feel as if women are more. Ca- there is a conversation or a dialogue that exists, not just amongst women one to one. And if you look in women's magazines or things that media that's aimed at women, it's there is more of an openness to this sort of thing, whereas we just don't have that. Yeah. Well, my thing about the difference, and I think yeah, you have to deal in sweeping generalisations, so there's always exceptions to the rule, of course. But mm-hmm. going back to that evolution thing and how humans are, you know, evolved, right? Childcare was done by you, the, the idea of a woman, the man going to work and the woman being on her own at home with a baby on her own 
doing everything apart from the odd sort of mum or mother-in-law sort of a friend visiting mm. she's doing everything is a modern construct that, that's not we were tribal and so the 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 nursing mothers would even nurse other people's babies if one of them mm. went to sleep and you know like they so there was a it was a group thing and then they weren't and or even like putting like in africa some tribes the baby doesn't literally get put down for nine months it's held so the when the, when the mum's asleep, the baby can feed. And so she's half aware of the baby feeding, but it's not like baby in another room cries, everyone wakes up, go in there, make a bottle of powder or whatever, mm. or mm. breastfeed, breastfeed the baby, put them back to sleep. We're the only culture, you know, the West, where like teddy bears are a thing because we, you're not really, the baby's crying because it's woken up. It's alone in a room with no mum yeah. there do you know what I mean it's like I mean I'm getting all of this from one book if you want to know it's like it it was a real eye-opener this book called Tribe by Sebastian Younger um and I think there's some of it in that other what's that um uh Sapiens is another book oh, yeah. about sort of yeah where we came from and the sort of theory that basically we're meant to be in groups of like maximum 100 so yeah. a lot of stress and stuff, social media, you're just aware of too many people and, you know, and status. And so, you know, like um, celebrity, for instance, you know, like if you were in a tribe of a hundred people, there might, there'd be different status levels, but you wouldn't be aware of thousands of people who are, you're constantly being told the message and these more, these are more important, more interesting than you, you know, their yeah. lives are, you know, so the, um, the your stress response you know is like a wolf is coming i'm my adrenaline goes up my you know i get into protective mode what can i do oh the wolf's gone and it goes back down mm. and that's what it's meant to be but i got to the point where and i think he talks about it in the book is like an email about for my accountant because money was a massive thing for me because i was skin i was borrowing money off my parents so emasculating, I know, you know, and that is an abstract thing. So if you think we evolved to go, right, food, shelter, you know, like the things that you actually value are survival items, really. They traded, yeah, you had gold bracelets and things like that, but it wasn't always decorative. That's so you could carry gold to trade with or whatever. So the abstract idea of money and tax bills and all this stuff, they that was, I'd have the, yeah, the reaction of like a wolf is trying to, come and get me because my accountant would go, oh, by the way, you got a VAT bill for four grand here. And I'm like, I haven't got that. I don't, where am I going to find that? Oh, you'll get charged then. It's 20% now because you missed the last one. Well, now I'm, well, you know, like it was just constant stress and worry. And, I, and it was, I think the, uh, the man-woman thing, I, and I, this is just me. This isn't from that book and this might be wrong, but I feel like women get responsibility earlier because of simple things like periods and you're at more risk of, you know, sexual yeah. assault. So girls have to smarten up and realize this world isn't one big fucking party quicker than yeah. men. Yeah, and I yeah. think men go, we have an easier ride of it in terms of, you know, we don't have to worry if someone's walking behind us at night too much. I think there's a, you know, getting mugged and having fights and stuff like that is different. I think that we do have that, but you're generally, I just didn't worry about anything really 
or have any responsibilities. And I think society lets you. I remember when my mum and dad would go out, it, my big sister was older, but like she would make the food. Do you know what I mean? And that's not because my mum and dad were sexist. It's like they'd already looked at me and thought, we can't trust him to do it. It'll, you know. So I wasn't given responsibility because any chance I got of responsibility, I would absolutely ruin it. Do you know what I mean? So maybe it's a self-fulfilling thing, but I just think boys can, you you can coast as a grown-up teenage boy up till basically 35, 40. And if you don't have kids, you can just go forever. There you go, Matt Morgan. A fascinating chat about ADHD, work, fatherhood, responsibility and everything that goes with it. And there's more where that came from. Watch out for part two of this interview coming very soon. Thanks for listening to The Reset. You might want to subscribe so you get the weekly pod and my weekly newsletter sent directly to your inbox. Just go to samdelaney.substack.com. Until next time, gang, be lucky and don't let the dickheads get you down.